Amen. Aren't you thankful that you're in the house of the Lord? Hallelujah. And you feel the presence of Almighty God in this place. Amen. Thank all of you for being here. If you're a guest here, we are delighted to have you. We mean that. We know there's a lot of places you could be, but thank you for being here. I want you for me to give all of our team a big hand. I appreciate I appreciate this wonderful team. I appreciate Brother David Robinson and Kevin Carter and Johnny Copeland and all of our media team and all of you that opened the door today. You drove a golf cart. You put out a sign. You did something to make this service what it is. Thank you from the fullness of my heart. I do appreciate you being in the house of the Lord. Well, I've got a little oldie but goodie. So some of you may have already heard this humor, but just act like you haven't and laugh anyway. So there was a burglar and he broke into a house looking for some valuables. And uh, he broke in and all of a sudden he heard a voice says, Jesus is watching. He just froze. He just stood there in silence and he heard nothing. So he's like, okay. He starts creeping forward. And all of a sudden he hears a voice again. Jesus is watching. He turns his flashlight on and he's looking around and he sees over in the corner is a parrot. And he says, is that you saying that? And the parrot said, yes. The man said, well, what is your name? The parrot said, my name is Moses. He said, what idiot would name their parrot Moses? That's just stupid. And the parrot said, the same idiot that named their pit bull Jesus. I'm going to be talking today from my heart out of the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and I don't know that I'm going to scream too much at you but and I might even cry a little but I'm going to talk to you from my heart and I just pray that you would receive it to your heart And that you would ponder the thoughts that I want to share with you today. Father, I just thank you for your presence. It's rich. Your presence is rich here this morning. What an honor to be in your house. What a great privilege to be able to stand before such wonderful people. And to have the great privilege to speak your word. For the next few minutes, Lord, would you just help the weak to wash away? And let us be here today in spirit, soul, and body to receive what I believe you are speaking to our spirit. And we give you thanks and praise. And everybody say amen. Amen. Once again, thank you for being in God's house. You can be seated. I want to talk to you today about the upside-down life. How many of you, I want to see a show of hands when I ask the question, how many of you have ever tried to steer a parked car? Okay. Now, let me ask you another question. Is it difficult to steer a parked car? Yes, it is. For some of you that may not understand what I am referring to, here's what I have found out. That even if my car will not crank, it is easier once I am pushing the vehicle to steer it versus trying to steer it to get it where I want it to go before I even start pushing it. So a parked car is difficult to steer, but even if you have to push it, it's not as difficult once it gets in motion. Here's the point that I want to make. 
God did not save us to keep us in neutral. God did not save any of us to park us in a garage to keep us safe. He did not save us so that he can preserve us by putting us in a museum and saying, my, isn't that a beautiful Christian? God saved us for service. God saved us for service. God did not save us so we can come and sit on a pew and soak God's word and just get sour. The Dead Sea is dead because it has an inlet, but it has no outlet. You and I were saved for service. Here's what I know. We can do no wrong and still not do right. Can I repeat that? We can do no wrong and still not do right. Can I get a witness? In other words, the greatest Tragedy is not, brothers and sisters, the mistakes we make. We hope as we get older and more mature, we make less mistakes. But that's not the great tragedy of life. It's not the mistakes that we make that is the great tragedy. Rather, it is the life that we fail to live. Now, I'm going to just talk about us. Us, our denomination. I believe that we in our denomination have defined holiness by what we separate ourselves from rather than what we give ourselves to. I'm going to say it again. In this denomination, I'm not speaking for others. I'm speaking for us. We have defined holiness by what we separate ourselves from rather than what we give ourselves to. And I believe, this is just my belief, that we have put so much emphasis on avoiding evil that we have become virtually blind to the endless opportunities for doing good. Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Jesus was not afraid of the leper because he understood he had a power greater than leprosy. I am not saying that we should just casually, you know, go certain places. But what I am saying is, is that we should not be afraid of the evil. We should be promoting the power of the light. We should not be so afraid that somebody is going to see us with the sinner that we can't go into the sinner's life and meet a need. Brothers and sisters, Jesus went about doing good. Jesus was known as somebody who fellowshiped with sinners. Why? Because he was more concerned about fulfilling his mission than he was about what the Pharisees was going to talk about him at dinner that night. Can I get a witness in this house? Here's what I am saying. To separate ourselves from sin is a good start, but it is not where we should stop. Let's take the next step. Look at our text. It is in Ephesians 2 and verse 10. Here's what the scripture says. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Do you see that? Which God, notice this, has planned in advance for you to do. You were not born and then God is going to try to figure out what to do with you. My daddy would tell me all the time, son, don't worry about your life. God already has it mapped out. 
Don't try to get God to explain himself. God does not explain himself. He reveals himself. This is why God didn't put you in a garage to park you and preserve you. He wants you in motion because as you go, I will show. And as you walk in Brookshire's, God will speak to you. Go down this aisle. As you write out your little notes, God will speak to you. Encourage this one. As you go, I will show. God did not ask us to get into this house and just sit and soak and sour. He said, I have saved you for a purpose. I created you for a reason. I have pre ordained and pre-established for there to be things that you do with your life. Can I get a witness? Have you ever thought about why God didn't just save us and then just beam us up on into heaven? We're saved and now we get to go to heaven. Have you ever thought about why he didn't do that? It's real simple. He did not beam you up into heaven because he saved you for service. He saved you for service. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever taken a flashlight and turned it on and it didn't work? Let me see your hand. Okay. And here's what you did. Let me tell you what you did because I've done it. I take the lid off. And I look in there and I think those batteries come on the Mayflower. Because it's all crusted inside. And it's leaked acid. And guess what? When you look at it, you know, this is no good. You know what happened? That battery set too long into that flashlight and you didn't use it. You stored it on a shelf and you was just hoping that when I need it, it's going to work. But five years later, it's all corroded. Why? Because a flashlight is no good if it's not giving light. It didn't, it wasn't intended just to sit on a shelf. Here is what I am saying. God did not intend for you just to come and look cute on a Sunday morning. He's got purpose. He wants you to be the light of your community. He wants us to be the light in this region, not just be a cute Christian. Say this with me. We are saved for a life of service. I hope 2 Timothy 1 and 9 come up on the screen. It is God who saved us and chose us for his holy work. Say holy work. What is holy work? Pastor, is what you're doing holy work? Yes. But guess what? The word ministry and service are interchangeable. When you see the word service, it means ministry. When you see the word ministry, it means service. It means that all of us are ministers. Not all of us are pastors. Not all of us are prophets. Not all of us are evangelists. But we are all a witness. You can witness about what God saved you out of. You can witness about what God kept you from. But either way, you and I are to be a witness. Do I believe we're all evangelists? No, because I believe it's a gift. But I believe we can all witness of the goodness of God in our life. Do you have to have a Ph.D. to be a witness? Absolutely not. Just tell your story. Here's where God found me. And by the way, I'm going to keep saying it. You did not find God. God found you. You were not looking for God. God was looking for you. Why? Because you have gifts, talents, and abilities that he wants to use to reach somebody else. Can I get a witness in this house? I want to talk this morning about the upside down life. The Bible says that we were saved to serve. In other words, God didn't serve you so you could binge watch on Netflix, eat cold pizza, drink your favorite drink, take up his air, live in his earth rent free and just die a good death. That's not what God called us to do. Can I get a witness? 
the Bible says we were saved to serve. Here's my point. If you've ever been in a gym, I hadn't been in too many as you can tell, but uh, if you've ever been in a gym, there, are, and I have been in a couple, and there, are, there's guys, especially guys, they'll get in those mirrors and they'll do like this. And then they'll, no, I'm not making it up. I'm, this is the truth. And, the, and then, no, this is a better side. This was a little more defined. And they'll, and you, and you, you want to walk up to him and say, Hey, bud, uh, what's all those muscles for? Of course you don't because you don't want to get punched, but that's what you want to say. Hey, what are all those muscles for? And I'm not sure there's, you know, there's probably a number of reasons, but here's just me. I, I think they just like the way they look with muscles. I just, you know, I'm, they're not going to tell you this because that's just too brutally honest, but I just think I look good with muscles and that, that's fine. No, I don't have a problem with that. But here's my question I want to ask you. Here's the question. Why do we come to church? Why do we read our Bible? Why do we pray? Why do we miss the meals? Just to say we're a good Christian? We've got Bible biceps. I'm not downing anyone that goes to the gym and got muscles. No problem with that. But muscles should serve a purpose. Coming to church and reading your Bible and praying and missing some meals should be more than just, I'm a good little Christian. It should be serving a bigger purpose. I am doing this for a purpose because I don't want to get ready. I want to be ready. Can, can, I, can I just talk to you out of my heart? See, I know we don't. I, I've said this. A lot of things I say, I re-say, not because I've got dementia, thank God, but you got to keep hearing it so it gets in your spirit. Now, when we get over to the new building, we're going to have a prayer room, and I hope we all go by there. But we just don't have room for a prayer room. But listen, that doesn't mean that you can't kneel down at your house and say, God, I'm fixing to go to church and I don't know who's going to be sitting beside me. And when the power of the Holy Spirit starts moving, I want to be ready. I want my spirit to be right because I believe that these signs shall follow them that believe. And when I lay my hand on your shoulder and speak a word of healing, it's not me doing it anyway. It's that I have confidence in almighty God and what he did for us at the cross. So I don't want to come and have to get ready. I want to be ready. I want to hear God's voice speak to me. Holy Spirit spoke to me for the last three days and told me to call this certain individual. And last night I just said, okay, God, I'll do it. I called them. They're crying and they're weeping. And they said, Pastor, you just don't know what this phone call means. I am encouraged. Here's what I'm telling you. Part of what I am called to do is to encourage others. I didn't tell you that to get a cookie or get a pat on the back. I told you that because you've got giftings and you've got a talent. And if you will stay in alignment to the Spirit, God will tell you, go down this aisle, make that call, write that note, give that away, do this. Why? Because that is the work of the Holy Spirit leading you, guiding you, because you and I were saved to serve. Can I get a witness? See, the Bible teaches very clearly that maturity is for ministry. And I say it again, maturity is for ministry. We say we want to be mature Christians, and I do. But we'll never be mature Christians until we start ministering. I'm going to say it again. We'll never be mature Christians until we start ministering. Why? Because maturity is for ministry and muscles should serve a purpose. We are called by God to live a life of service. The Bible says that salvation and the call to service are one and the same. 
You say, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. The moment that I said, Jesus, I believe in you and the finished work of Calvary. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. I want to take upon your name. When we said that, we were also saying, God, I will serve you for the rest of my life. If you and I are believers, we are called to ministry. Not everybody's a pastor. I'm going to say it again. Not everybody's a prophet, but everyone in this room is a minister. Here's the next point I want to make. We are gifted. Say, I'm gifted. Say, I'm gifted. I know it's hard to say. I know that. But we are gifted for what? To look cute? No. We are gifted for a life of service. God did not give you and I gifts just so that we can spend them on ourselves. I'm going to say this. I'm going to keep saying it. A fruit tree does not bear fruit for itself. A fruit tree bears fruit for others. Lauren, your team, Aston, you guys did a marvelous job. You may come up here and just play just to hear yourself play sometimes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you know what? God gave you that talent for more than just you coming up here to hear yourself. He gave you that talent so that we could be blessed this morning and enter into the presence of God through worship that is given to us in excellence. Now you say, I can't sing. I can't play. I can't do this. But you can do something because according to the scripture, God gave some five, he gave some three, but he gave that one, one. And he required the one to use the one. And I believe if the one would have just put it in the bank and got a little interest on it, God would have been okay with that. But because he went and buried it in the earth and did nothing with it, God called him wicked, brothers and sisters. That's in your Bible. And I'm just wanting to preach to you the truth in love. Because when I get to heaven and I have to stand and give an account, And God looks me in the eye and said, Wayne, my son, what did you do with my people? I can look at him and say, God, I did my best to preach the truth in love. I can't make anybody serve you. I can't make anybody come to church. I can't make anybody pray. But I can preach the truth in love. Look at 1 Peter 4 and 10. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. First Peter 4 and 10, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to make a lot of money. I don't think that's what it said. I think what it says is be sure to use them to help each other. Here's the next point. We are commanded to live for others. Here's what Matthew 20 and 28, Jesus speaking, he said this, your attitude must be like my own, for I did not come to be served, but to serve. Do you understand that Jesus came down from heaven to earth? And Jesus then from after earth, he went down into a grave. And then from the grave, he went down into hell. And then he did his work in hell and then ascended so that he could lift all of us up from our grave of sin and then lift us up again to eternal life. And so what he's saying is, follow my example. I know that this culture loves the word up. You go up. You ascend into greatness. You let the light shine on you. You go up and you 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 climb up this ladder of success. But in this upside down life, it's not about ascending into greatness. It's about descending into greatness. See, if you don't get this, the culture's going to mess with you because you're going to buy into the American dream. The American dream is diametrically opposed to God's ideal for you and I. The world says climb up and God says kneel down. The world says ascend and God says go down because when you go down, you go down into greatness this is the upside down kingdom and this is why not many want it just being honest with you because the world says you can't descend into greatness you got to ascend you got to climb that ladder can I get a witness see 
Service for a believer is not optional. I'm going to say it again. Service for a believer is not optional. To call myself a believer and not to be involved in ministry is a contradiction. I understand, brothers and sisters, I totally get human nature. I get it. Human nature, here's what human nature says. Who's going to meet my needs? Human nature said, who's going to serve me? Human nature said, who's going to heal my hurts? I understand human nature because I am one. Human nature says, me, me, me. For 12 years that the Lord has allowed me to be here, very few messages have I preached on service. Why? Because I've been an extremely selfish person myself. And in the last few years, God's just been breaking me down to show me what life is really all about. Life, brothers and sisters, is really about two things. You can take it for what you want it. It's about learning how to love. And it's about giving your life away to others. Life is about loving God and loving people. Do y'all have a few minutes for me? Can I tell you, God has never brought me a $100 bill before. I've never seen Jesus walk up to me and bring me a $100 bill. But I can point to some people right now. I'm looking at one that's brought me a $100 bill and said, Pastor, listen, I just want you to go and eat a good meal. I've never had Jesus walk up to me and serve me a meal, but I've had some of you come up and say, Pastor, here's a meal. I want you to have it. What are you saying? I'm saying that you and I are the hands and the feet of Jesus. Jesus has already accomplished his mission. Now it is you and I, the body of Christ, that are called to serve. Here's another reason why I haven't ever preached this message, just being honest with you. Because we didn't have the systems in place. You can say whatever you want to. I just need you all to hear me out. You don't have to believe me. I just need you to hear me. A one wing plane is not going to go very far. You need both. And we can have all the spirit and we felt the spirit here this morning. But after the spirit does its work. We need systems in place to engage people in the work of God. And I did not have the systems that I needed to do what we need to do. Here's why I know I can't do it by myself. So God sent us a David and a Michelle. And by the way, today is Michelle's birthday. So happy birthday, Michelle. Because you've heard me say this before and I'm going to keep saying it. It doesn't matter how good a pitcher is. A pitcher can't play first base and catcher and third base and outfield at the same time. It is impossible. It don't matter how talented a preacher is or anybody is. We all have our lane and our part to play in the body and in the kingdom of God. And when all of us can get this revelation that we are necessary, that this is not a one man show or a one lady show, but we need both wings. We need spirit and we need systems. We need proclamation of the gospel, but we also need demonstration of the gospel. We need both. We need to love God and we need to love people. Can I get a witness? Because if we are still in the who's going to meet my needs, we haven't grown up yet. A mature believer is interested in service. An immature believer is interested in serve us. And there's a big difference. I'm going to say a very... Very strong statement again. You don't have to believe anything I say. Here's what I honestly believe. If you have no desire to help anyone, you ought to seriously consider if you are saved or not. Because Jesus thinks of others. And we think, oh, that's a full parking lot. 
We ought to be thinking of others. Yeah, I'm going to just, just tell you where I'm at. It's taken me a long time to get here. I don't expect anybody to come pat me on the back this morning, but just I'm just slow. After 30 years, I finally figured out how to make coffee. I never liked coffee. Never liked it, never drank it. I won't tell you the reasons why I've started drinking coffee, but there is a reason. But this morning, I made coffee for the two of us. And then I poured the last little bit of cream out and everything in me wanted to put just two drops left back in that refrigerator because I knew Janet was coming. But I had gotten my cream. That's her problem. Y'all laughing because y'all know. But again, I don't need a cookie for this or a pat on the back or an attaboy. But I went out into the refrigerator because I bought some more cream. And I took the lid off and I popped the top. And those two little drops I poured in there and put the lid back on it. So when Janet went in there to get the cream, it was full. And this is the best of all. I didn't even tell her I did it. See, see, that's not a big deal for you. But when you've been as selfish as I've been, that's progress. That's progress. You say, Pastor, you just don't look that way. I know because looks are deceiving. That's why I look past all of your cuteness. And I know you're a human and you're selfish and you want to do it your way. And we don't like the upside down life because we say, serve me, entertain me, sing to me, bring me a pot of soup, drive me on the golf cart, put out the sign, turn on the lights, turn on the AC, have everything ready for me. And here's what I'm telling you. I love you you, but you were not saved to come and sit. And so you have a ministry, you have a talent, you have an ability, you are the hands, you are the feet. Y'all got a couple more minutes for me. I I don't know if this is true, um, but I read this. So I'll let you decide if it's true or not. I read though, this is history. I read that in history, The New Testament church, when a new believer would come in, they would say to the new believer that came into the New Testament church, again, this is history, the New Testament believers would say to a new person coming in, they would say, welcome. Welcome, because we now have Jesus Christ has a new set of eyes to see the hurting. Welcome, because Jesus Christ now has a new set of hands to serve others. Welcome to the body, because now Jesus Christ has a new set of ears to listen to the hurting. Now, I don't know if that is true. You can decide for yourself. But I like it so much that I would love for TPC to adopt it. That when we, a new person comes in and decides this is where they want to call their church home, welcome. Jesus Christ now has a new heart to love people with. He's got a new set of eyes to see the needs of the hurting. He's got a new set of ears to listen to those who are in need. I think that's really good. I really wish, Brother David, that we would adopt that kind of language. Why? Because ministry, brothers and sisters, is not just attending church. Thank all of you for being here. Thank you for every dollar you give. We're good stewards of it. We're going to bless missionaries. This church blesses people around the world. So we cannot do what we do without you. I am not discrediting your attendance or your giving. I am saying we don't need to stop there because we are saved to serve. Serving others, serving others is evidence that Christ 
is in us. Can I keep preaching? My church family needs me to live a life of service. I said, my church family needs me to live a life of service. First Corinthians 12 and 27. I hope this comes up on the screen. All of you together. All of you together are the one body of Christ. And each of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Say this with me, please. I am necessary. The enemy would try to get you to discount yourself. I'm not talented enough, pretty enough. I don't have enough. I'm not this enough. I'm telling you the devil's a liar. Jesus saved you for service. He saved you for a reason. He came and found you to save you for purpose. See, what happens when one part of our body stops functioning? I just need a few more minutes of your time, please. What if your heart calls you up and says, hey, by the way, I'm just going to stop beating and I just want to be fed. You're saying, heart, you can't stop beating. You were designed by God to beat. A non-functioning heart is a contradiction. What if your liver calls you up and says, you know, I just want to take a six-month break. You know what you'd say? Get back to work. Get back to work, liver. Get back to work, heart. Because a non-functioning liver is a contradiction. You were placed in my body to be a liver. You were placed in my body to beat my blood, heart. You were placed on my body to hear. You were placed on my body to see. This is what I want to say to a bunch of sweet, sweet people here this morning. If you're not serving in the kingdom of God, you're a contradiction. Because God saved every one of you to serve. Say, what can I do, Pastor? How long you got? Can you drive a golf cart? Can you open up a door? Can you teach a Sunday school class? Can you make a pot of soup? Can you pray for the service? Can you miss a meal? Can you write a note? Can you look around? Because most of us sit in the same place every Sunday if we can. Can you look around and notice? You know what? I don't see so-and-so here. Can you take your little fingers and text a note that says, you know what? TPC is not the same without you. We missed you. You don't have to preach them a message. Just let them know you care. Can you do that? I'm not being condescending. I'm being truthful with you. Can you call somebody? Can you go over and visit? I had a man approach me. He said, Pastor, there's a few people that can't come. I want to try to get a few people to go over and have service. Great. You don't need a license to do that. Go over there and sing and play. Preach a sermonette. Do something. Pastor, you don't have anything else to say? Oh, yeah. I got plenty to say. I'm just wanting it to soak in. We're all needed in the body of Christ. The, the strength of this church is not the paid staff. The strength of this church is all of you doing what God has gifted you, positioned you, and called you to do. I want you now to look at Colossians, and I'm going to wrap this up. Colossians 3 and 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. It is the Lord you're serving. Here's what Jesus is saying. Whatever you do for others, you do it for me. I'm not going to quote you chapter and verse, but here is what Jesus said. If you bring a drink of water to a man of God, you're doing it as unto me. When you do it to the least of these, when we go to prison and preach in prison, Jesus says, when you clothe the naked and feed the hungry and preach to those in prison, what did he say? You're doing it as unto me. Please hear me this morning. You can't really love God if you're not loving and serving people. Come on. 
Because it takes both. Love God. Love people. Spirit of God. The systems. Proclamation. Demonstration. The upside down life. That says greatness is when I kneel down. And serve you. Here's Romans 12 and 1. Because of God's great mercy to us. Offer yourselves as what? It's more fun when we do it together as a dedicated to God's service. See, God has been so good to me, brothers and sisters. I hope you feel my heart this morning. I don't I do not want this church to serve God out of fear. I don't want you to serve God because you need fire insurance. I don't want you to serve God because I guilt you to serve God. I want you to serve God out of gratitude. Because He saved me from my sin. Do you all understand? He saved me from my sin. Now, think about Just think about for just a brief moment, where do you think you would be if Jesus hadn't found you? Some of us may not even be here. Some of us may not even be alive. So I don't think it's an overstatement to say that I owe Jesus my life. And I don't want to serve him based out of fear. I want to serve him based out of gratitude. And that's why it's not a real problem for me to lift my hands for 15 or 10 minutes and just keep saying thank you. I have literally walked around my house for 30 minutes and that's almost all I said was thank you, God, because I got a life that most people don't have because of you. And I don't want to just thank you for it. I want to go out there and witness and tell everybody that God God is good and that his mercy endures forever and God can take a dark heart and wash it with his red blood and make it white as snow. God can take you from the guttermost and lift you to the uttermost. God can bless your life in ways that you would never believe. Would you stand with me right now? I know that I've preached a long time and I, I don't apologize for it. But a life of service, young people, y'all are smart, you're good looking, you're handsome. So it's not that you can't get this. The only reason why you can't get it is just because you're young. But I'm hoping you get it. See, look look at your pastor real quick. You're going to give your life to something. Everybody does. Some people give their life to a career for 40 years and they get a gold watch at the end of it. That's great. Some people live their life because they want to be famous and they want to get their picture on a magazine. Some people live their life because they love thrills and chills and pleasure. So everybody in this room is living their life for something. The question is, Is it going to matter a hundred years from now? Come on, somebody. Is it going to matter a hundred years from now? What what do you mean, Pastor? Here's what I mean by that. Because you came into this world naked. And when you lie down, you're going to go out with nothing. You came in with nothing and you're going to go out with nothing. And I know it's an old cliche, but you don't see a U-Haul behind a hearse. You're not going to take it with you. So the golden life, I know what this culture says. Listen to your pastor who loves you very much. Here's what the culture says. He who has the most toys wins. But that's a lie. Okay. Because here's, here's where it all comes down to. If this is all a farce, if all of, the, if all of our faith, faith is a farce, if it's all a farce, and when we die, we just die. Here's two things I say about that. Number one, I've lived a much better life by believing this is true. I have. I've just lived a much better life. Here's the second part. If it is true, 
and I believe it is, then I'm going to stand before God one day. And you mean to tell me I'm going to look at God and God says, okay, Wayne, what did you do, son, with your talents, gifts, and abilities that I gave you? And I'm going to look at God and I'm going to say, well, God, you know, I was real busy. I had this major kind of job and I had this wife that loves to shop and I've got kids that are so involved in football and sports. And you know, God, I'm just busy. And I I had to work a second job so I could build a lake house and buy a boat. And then I had to take out a third mortgage so I could get the Harley flat tail. I'm just busy. This is true. And I say that to God. What do you think God's going to say? You mean to tell me, Wayne, that I saved you, son, so you could have a Harley flat tail and a house on the lake and so your wife could do all this shopping? That's why I saved you? I don't think so. Listen to your pastor who loves you very much. I don't have a problem with you having a house on the lake. Invite me sometime. We'll go fishing. I don't have a problem with you having a Harley flat tail. I'll ride with you. That's not the purpose. God saved you to serve. He saved you to make a difference in somebody's life. He saved you to show the love of God. Why are we having a ministry fair and why are we doing what we're doing? Because when I get to heaven, I don't want God looking at me and saying, Wayne, you didn't do your job, son. I can't make any of you sign up. Can't make any of you serve. All I can do is provide an opportunity. As a pastor, that's part of my responsibility is to simply provide you an opportunity to do what God has called you to do. Would you bow your head? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your people. And Lord, I'm not here to condemn. Jesus, you didn't come into the world to condemn the world. But I am here to challenge our American culture that says up is the only way. When your word tells me that you did not come to be served, but you came to serve and to give your life away. Lord, I pray that there be revelation in this house this morning. Speak to our hearts. Convict us. Lord, I'm not interested in guilt this morning. I'm not trying to guilt anybody. Talk to us about what our true purpose is. And we give you thanks and we give you praise. And everybody say amen. Now I'm going to ask our team to come up here and I'm going to just ask you if you don't have to go, it's only 1118. If you don't have to go, please don't go just yet. You've got to understand. But I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are or sit down in your pew. And as they sing, I just want you to talk to God. And I want you to ask God and start talking to God. Just start talking to Him. Father, would you help me today to look around my school, my job, my place of business, my bank, my store, and help me to see the needs of those who are hurting. You haven't called us, God, to do everything, but you've called us to do something. Now, I've had my mouth open for 45 minutes, almost 50. Would you open your mouth right now? And would you just start talking to the Lord?
bless you. May the Lord keep you. May His face shine upon you and give you peace. May God put you at the right place at the right time to give you the right word, to do the right act of service so that you can be His hands, His eyes, His ears, and His feet. Let's go serve. We enter to worship. We exit to serve. I'd love for you to go through that South Warrior. I know they've got some good cookies in there, some maybe something to drink. Look at just some opportunities. Maybe God's dealing with you this morning and you want to get engaged. Thank all of you for being in God's house. Have a blessed day and a great week. We love you.